And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, and here today as the host for Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, Today, we're talking uh, D2C, Google ads, uh, social media ads, content, whatever, you name it. Um, before we get in and I introduce today's guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. They really are an amazing company. I've been using them myself uh, and recommend them every time I go um, or every time I get the chance. And 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 um, if you are struggling to find or scale out your development team, I encourage you to at least start here, get some information, fullscale.io. Today's guest coming out of Jersey, David Abraham. We have uh, been around each other in the same circles at the same events, listening to some of the same speakers. Um, and today we're actually getting to meet in person. So I'm super excited to have you on the show and, and hear more about your story and how you're working with brands to take them to the next level. Appreciate it, Andrew. Thanks for having me. And I agree. It's great that we finally get a chance to be with each other. Yeah, we were, uh, we were just chatting it up before the show. Like we always do trying to get warmed up. And I said, we got to start playing record. I got to push record on this thing. We're just going <laughs> to chat it up, uh, telling stories, but no, Today's episode is 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 entitled Google Ads versus Social Media, and I think to speak to that, you know, um, I love this topic because I love holistic e-commerce. I love how everything works together. It's not Amazon, it's not Shopify, it's not retail. It's everything. It's commerce. It's business, right? And in a world where digital seems to touch everything, um, you know, I think it's great that. We pay attention to all of those things and treat all of them as that's a healthy ecosystem. Before we jump into like tactics of of Google ads and social media and how they differ, let's talk about David a little bit. David, uh, you're in, you're, you know, I, I need to know more about everything that you're doing, but let's start at the beginning. Um, did you always know you want to be an entrepreneur? Like when did you get into to web and, and, and marketing? Um, go as far back as you'd like. All right. Well, I uh, hope you got plenty of time because uh, it's a long story. But um, so I guess way back, I, it's funny because I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur starting out. When I was a kid, I used to just be crazy about tech. I was very big into video games. And when I was really young, it was just I wanted to program video games. You know, I tried playing around with creating Flash games kind of um, developed into uh, playing around with computers. So when I was a kid, I used to be um, very friendly with the computer teacher in my school. And she used to give me these broken down computers, computers that weren't working anymore. And I actually used to go and kind of pick them apart and try and, you know, 
rebuild them. And, you know, I was very, very big tech head. And then from there, getting a little bit older, then it kind of turned into programming a little bit. So I started, you know, trying to learn uh, C++, HTML, Objective-C, all different types of languages, things like that. I was reading a lot of the For Dummies books Mm -hmm. growing up. And, you know, when I got to college, um, I actually, I spent a year overseas uh, in the Middle East. I took a year off after high school before I went to college. Okay. And um, came back, went to Rutgers University, and I was trying to major in um, in computer science, thinking that that was going to be the major that I was going to go into, wanted to be a programmer. And I kind of failed out my first year. Uh, I was just getting by. Uh, I was on academic probation. And also at this time, I was um, dating my now wife. And I was getting ready to quit out of college. I thought it wasn't for me, you know, and uh, my wife convinced me to stay. And I ended up shifting majors because I spent two years going after a major that I realized was not really what I wanted to do. Mm. I shifted towards another major, IT, which was also hands-on programming, but without the parts of it that I kind of struggled with. And then which I finished Rutgers. What can I ask? Just because I'm a computer science major, I got my bachelor's of science in uh, <laughs> networking and security. I hated programming. Uh, I think I'm a little bit older than you. So when I went, programming was archaic as heck. And, you know, we're, when we test, we were writing out programs on paper. And um, I flunked a couple classes. I had to take them online to pass because the teachers just sucked. And if I did it online, I could get the teacher out of the way and essentially get the materials. <laughs> So I'm just curious, like for me, it was, uh, I think C++ honestly uh, was one of the classes I, I got a D in. I got an A once I took it myself, just so you know. Nice. But, <laughs> but uh, just what, what classes were like, you know, just didn't get it going for you. Like I took five or six languages in college, but I, I do not enjoy programming personally. For me, for me, it was really the math related courses. Math was never really... My strong suit, there was a lot of math involved in computer science, but there was really none involved in IT. Yeah. And within IT, I really majored, I, my major was really Java development. Okay. And I, I did a little Java programming in high school. My school offered a course kind of into my, like my junior, senior year. And, you know, I liked it. it. It was hands-on programming, no math involved. And, you know, I was creating like these these basic stupid programs, but you know, they were fun to play with. And I thought that was going to be it going forward. I, you know, I, when I was in college, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was a very play it safe kind of guy. I wanted to work for somebody else. I didn't want the responsibility of having a business on my shoulders, you know, and I just wanted to take home a paycheck security. Had you seen that model like in your, in your, with your parents or uncles or family or like, you know, what, what scared you off from that responsibility? Because like I had never seen it. So it wasn't even something yeah. I desired because I hadn't seen, maybe if I knew how stressful it was, I wouldn't even be here. But I, I didn't really have that around me as entrepreneurship wasn't something I thought of because I didn't really see it modeled. Uh, but you know, was it something you saw in your family? You're like, nah, I don't want that. I'm going to just like, I just want to work a good job. Yeah, for me, it was the opposite. I was actually surrounded 
by entrepreneurship. You know, my my father and brother started their own company. I have an, I have another brother that started his own solo company, but I don't know if it was seeing. You know, there were times my my father and brother could be you know very stressed out when it came to business. You know, it's it's a lot on your shoulders when you know everything make or break is on you. And, you know, the idea kind of just got me a little nervous early on. I, I thought I would be satisfied just working for somebody else and taking home a paycheck. But what got me into starting my own business was that once I graduated college, I was actually a, um, when I was a senior, I had an internship in the city uh, with a web development company with a promise to get a full-time job after I graduated. Okay. And, you know, I was finishing it off. I was getting ready to get married. I was planning on proposing to my wife at the end of uh, senior year after graduation or close to, and then I was planning on working with them full-time. And I ended up proposing to my wife about like four months before graduation. And maybe like two weeks after I proposed, they came back to me and were like, hey, we don't have a job for you anymore. We needed somebody more immediate. We had to give it away and we really don't have anything for you. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of went into panic mode and didn't know what to do. You know, I figured I'm starting this new life ready to go and no money, no nothing. And, you know, my, my dad came up with the idea of, you know, maybe try doing something yourself for a little bit temporarily just to hold you over until, you know, you have something more substantial get you by you know and i was applying i was applying for jobs in the beginning before i started my own thing and the problem was nobody wanted to hire me because i guess in tech there's so many languages that you can learn and so many frameworks that you can learn and i only knew things that were taught to me in school things that were taught to me when or things that i picked up on when i was interning for this company and i didn't know the right combination of languages that any one company wanted, you know, and it was, I felt like I was in the most in-demand industry and nobody wanted to hire me and me, I'm freaking out. And, you know, I went along with my dad's idea and I said, okay, you know, I'll start this, I'll start an agency just temporarily until I find someone else that's willing to hire me. You know, my first three accounts were family accounts and, by all the statistics and numbers, what were you this... doing for them? Let's let's just stop there for a second because I think this is interesting. Like, you know, the, your story can help people. Uh, and, Absolutely, and very relatable. Um, you know, like uh, one thing about entrepreneurship, it comes with the stress and it comes with all those things. But there's no one that can fire me, right? And there's, <laughs> there's a piece in that, right? There's a piece in I'm gonna make it or break it by myself, but like if someone says they don't have a spot for me, like I was never the first to get picked for the softball team, I'll tell you what, like, you know? And growing up that way for me was just like, I'm tired of not being picked. You know, I'm tired of like, I got turned down by Best Buy, the Geek Squad, when I was getting out of college. I'm like, the Geek Squad? I could run this whole thing now, right? Like they missed an opportunity is how I think about it now. But then it was like, man, if I can't get a job at the Geek Squad doing like techie stuff behind the counter, like, which I felt like was beneath me after I had a degree was like, well, well, who's going to take me, you know? And um, so you're like, okay, so you, so that's, I think a lot of people start with friends and family. Like if, you know, if I'm launching a product, I'm getting friends and family to try it out. And like, you become my first customers, but you're in programming. 
and we have yet to talk about web design. So whenever you say you had three accounts, what does that mean? What were you doing for them? So I started off mainly as a WordPress developer, building, you know, business sites, informational business sites. And there were three, um, the three family accounts were mainly in wholesale. It was uh, my father and brother were one account. My uncle was another. My cousin was a third. And they were mainly in packaging and household, you know, one of them was in household goods and hangers. So I was basically creating websites on demand, updating websites, updating landing pages, things like that. Was it Java or HTML or like? So it was um, building on the WordPress platform. It was mainly PHP, CSS. And, um, you know, I originally started just building them myself. You know, I knew I was a programmer and, you know, it was just, that was all I knew how to do, yeah. all I knew what to do. And um, a big part of what landed me where I am today was being in that office with my family. Being, we, all, we all shared an office. They gave me a little office space to run out of because I was just a solo operation. But being surrounded by other business people and dealing with the same things that they were dealing with. I mean, they were, they were multi-million dollar companies. I was just starting out, but we were dealing with the same struggles. We were worrying about streamlining and scalability and growth. You know, my brother Zeke, my, my father Irwin were huge helps in, you know, becoming the business that we were today because of all the, all the pitfalls, all the, all the hurdles. We just, we got here together. And who was there for you when, when no one would hire you, right? You know, and exactly. they found a spot for you. And so when, when, sure, I'm sure they benefited from having a site back then, like when they didn't, you know, getting help on that and the website and everything you made for them sure had benefit. But also, I mean, it's something I learned too, that like when my life was at its lowest and even when they had nothing to give, like who showed up for me, you know? Family. And, and then you're like, you know what? This entrepreneurship thing doesn't look doesn't look so bad, you know, if I'm surrounded by the people that, that, you know, uh, care about me the most. I was just interesting to see that, to see that come, come about. So you've got, you've got accounts, you're like seeing that you have the same problems as them. They're big, but like, that's why it says more money, more problems. You know, we're all dealing with this <laughs> stuff. And it's why I love this podcast is because I like to pull out the things that we all have in common. I'm in the Midwest, you're in Jersey, uh, you're in web development. I didn't go programmer route, but like all the same it's the same struggle. It's the same battle. Um, okay. So thanks to the fam. Thanks dad. Thanks brother. Uh, you know, the learnings, the mentorship, what came next? So I started doing WordPress websites for a while, informational business sites, and I was doing them all myself until, you know, I got, I hit my first roadblock, which was I could only handle a certain amount of projects at a time very time consuming, very difficult. So then it became um, outsourcing. And originally I hired a developer in the States and was doing that for a while. I was a little bit worried about outsourcing overseas because of language barriers and difficulties and things like that. And then I eventually you know, came around to it, was very careful with the vetting process. And then we started you know, outsourcing and finding partners, very strong, you know, teams overseas. 
And we were doing that for a while. We were very big into the informational sites and the WordPress sites. And then I came across my first um, e-com site and in the Shopify space. And, you know, someone requested the, I don't remember the exact project. Someone asked me for a Shopify site. I kind of played around with it a little bit while I was at my intern gig. I said, all right, you know, I'll check it out. I'll see what it's about. And Shopify just sucked me in the entire e-com space. You know, I, I just, you know, fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with Shopify as a company and, you know, the, the Google ads platform and just the e-com world and, you know, that it felt like that's where the opportunity was. And for, for a long time, we were doing WordPress and Shopify side by side as they came in, but it ended up being where 90% of our requests were for e-com and Shopify stores. And, and if, if I remember, like, I'm just, I'm assuming here, but I, one can guess that like the Shopify projects were smoother uh, you know, getting great results. Like, I mean, cause I had sites on WordPress and Shopify when I was first starting my businesses. Um, and the, the, the just the usability, uh, especially if you're a programmer, but like, if you're, you know, it's like the Apple versus the Android, anyone that's like a custom guy that wants to do all these crazy modifications is like, I want the Android. But if you're just like trying to get it like to work right and to do its thing and what do what it does, which is to sell products or build it like Shopify or, or Apple is the play, in my opinion. And I just remember when Shopify came on to the scene, I was just like, thank God uh, that I can move away from WordPress and like, I'm not a coder. So like Shopify became just like heaven to me, honestly. Yeah. Shop. I'm a very big believer in, you know, instead of trying to, you know, being a Jack of all trades, master of none, I'm very into each role playing its role, not trying to pretend to be good at everything. And early on, WordPress was trying to be like that for me. You know, it was WordPress was trying to be an e-com solution. It was trying to be a custom portal. It was trying to be everything. And I just like that Shopify just made it so easy for e-commerce. That's all they do is e-commerce. They don't pretend to be anything else. And their whole goal is to just make having an e-commerce site for an individual or for business just that much easier. And the way they're constantly developing and updating, they just released a bunch of new updates and overhauls to the platform geared to B2B. And, you know, I just I just love what they're about and how they keep evolving and growing with the times. I can't I agree and I are you sponsored by Shopify because if you're not you should, <laughs> you should be. We'll Shopify hit me up if you're listening to this yeah we'll send them this episode <laughs> um you know like okay so I want to use like the rest of the episode to get into kind of some of what you're doing now um and like okay so like I see how your business is developing kind of how you just like fell into it obviously you're surrounded by entrepreneurs I feel like it was just a matter of time till you found it um you're there you're building you're scaling you're using offshore talent you know um and speaking of offshore talent what a better time than to give a shout out to our sponsor uh for today's episode finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers testers and leaders are ready to join your team. It's super easy. You can get in there and search it just like a search engine. Visit fullscale.io 
to learn more. David, so talk to me now about your guys' kind of sweet spot with Blue Soft Design. Um, you know, what are you guys working on? Who's your ideal client? Um, how are you working with brands or sellers, um, you know, today, uh, or even a parallel to Amazon brands trying to get into D2C? Um, what are some of the things you guys do, uh, you know, on the daily basis or for brands coming to you? What, what's that conversation like? So we ended up niching down a lot and, you know, cutting out excess services that we don't really specialize in. And, and now it comes down to really three things. It's Shopify, Google Ads, SEO. Those are our core three. Okay. And we're working a lot with sellers in the Amazon space and kind of, you know, incorporating their Shopify stores with their Amazon stores, using that to kind of expand off of Shopify, branch into other marketplaces, and really trying to show Amazon sellers the benefits of having their own Shopify store, giving their brand a face, and not just having all your eggs in one basket with Amazon. You know, the the pitch kind of changed for us. Originally, when I was a little bit more naive back in the day, I used to approach people and be like, hey, you know, sign up for Shopify. It'll outperform your Amazon store. We can do it. We can make it happen. And there, there are some cases that are out there that where that happens, I, I won't deny, but you know, now the pitch kind of became your Shopify store is here to complement your Amazon store and to complement the other marketplaces. They play off of one another. You know, one of the big things is, you know, these Amazon uh, store owners use Shopify for is landing pages you know, to acquire emails, build out your email list, blast out the next time you have a uh, product launch on Amazon. Um, you know, you uh, a lot of Amazon store owners want to get into B2B, you know, having a wholesale inquiry page on your Shopify store and just things like that where they play off of one another very easily get into the other marketplaces and diversify because that seems to be one of the big topics now. I just came back from all these Amazon shows, the ASGTG show, the Prosper show, and the topic of choice is diversification. You know, mm -hmm. when you have all your eggs in one basket with Amazon, you do one thing wrong and, you know, they knock out your account and that's a multi-million dollar business that just goes down the tubes. Or, you know, even better yet, you do so well in a particular category that Amazon Basics launches a generic version of, you know, what you're selling and knocks you off, you know, nope. so... Having your own website gives you brand security, gives you control, you know, being able to promote to your customers, offer discounts, you know, the customer service. Gives you, know. you options. It gives yeah. you options. And, um, you know, a similar thing, like just because we're always talking to Amazon, but I own an Airbnb business as well, like uh, property management here in Kansas City. I have about 14 Airbnbs. And it was like 2020. Uh, someone falsely reported us similar to an Amazon claim or something like that. And they essentially took our Airbnb account down. Okay. So an email was missed that we needed to reply to or something. And I'm telling you, we are like, we were like the, ho whatever the five star host is and all those kinds of things. We had all the metrics, we were crushing it and I couldn't get a hold of Airbnb, couldn't get a hold of anyone, lost all my accounts. And, uh, you know, it was then that I was like diversification, even within my Airbnb business is a must. I built a website that has like on like on the website I can host. I went to VRBO. I started diversifying so that if it happened again, I at least had a place to push customers. I could like 
you know, contact them and collect payments. I had people in my house with Airbnb shut down, like people just staying in our houses, you know, when the accounts went down, it was absolute chaos. Very similar on Amazon, 11 years in the space. Um, I've seen about every tragedy happen that you can imagine. And I'm in the business of keeping people out of trouble for that exact reason. That's why, you know, Marknology is a business that's like, you know, we're white hat and we, we try to help brands navigate and know they don't know what they don't know. And we, you know, we try to keep them out of that. But um, I can attest and say like very much so diversification and you want options. That's what it's all about. It's all about, you know, business is hard. Uh, it's way easier if I come into a problem and I have five potential solutions than if I'm just like stuck and it's too late and I, I wasn't thinking about that. And what do I do now? And I didn't plan for this. So I think, uh, you know, you can't predict if we couldn't have predicted a pandemic. You can't predict the future, but you can plan uh to be as stable as possible and diverse as possible and you know you can have five videos on a product page on shopify and you can't do that on an amazon account you know so um i work with all types of sellers of all sizes not just native amazon brands but like manufacturers brands that are doing five million on their d2c site that are coming to amazon and, and how do those things play i just came into new york uh for the buy with prime training Okay, so something that's coming to Shopify or that's there basically and try to try to learn everything about it. And they brought us in there to poke holes in it and tell them, you know, all the reasons we think it might be a struggle and to get more info. And they're releasing the programs through their agencies uh, to then to then work with that. Well, do we get to collect the customer information? Do we get a retarget? <laughs> you know, all these questions are coming out of us. Um, yeah, we just got an email to participate in the buy with prime program. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see where they go with that. It gives us options, right? It's not a fit for everyone. It's going to be yeah. a fit for certain people. It's going to be a fit for certain brands. It's going to be a fit for people that uh, don't want to sign a contract with the 3PL or fulfillment center. Who knows, you know? Um, but it's all about the options. And I think that's what you're getting at is Shopify gives you options. And it gives you the ability to, um, you know, do that B2B email, do that landing page, uh, collect, you know, emails, uh, have abandoned card emails, um, have bundling that's all like through FBM instead of having it all packaged. And um, I'm saying that for sellers that are just like, I don't know why I need one. I'm doing well on Amazon or um, it gives you the ability to pivot when you need to pivot, you know? Exactly. And more, more importantly than anything, you know, especially nowadays, if you're trying to establish yourself as a brand, people want to work with people. People don't want to work with nameless faces, you know, and, your own website gives your brand a face. It gives you a personality. You Makes know, you it's more good. it's more likely that someone is gonna come back as a repeat customer aside from and not just be a one-time sale. It gives your business personality. That's how you set yourself apart from the rest. And that's why, you know, when I get that, I get that argument a lot is why do I need a Shopify store? And I say, look at the big, you know, the big players in your industry. You know, and they're investing in their SEO and they're trying to take over Google ads. It's all about, you know, how much presence you have and, you know, that brand recognition. And if they're doing it, it's probably because it's working and it's doing something right. I spend I've spent the last two years obsessing about off Amazon strategies and tactics. I, I mean, I've cared about it my entire time, but I finally got myself enough out of the weeds in my own business to spend a lot of time innovating. And really understanding what the great D2C guys, the great Shopify guys, teams, uh, guys could be females too. To anyone listening, I didn't want to cut <laughs> you out, but like the great, 
the great teams, what they're doing. They're doing it well. And why, if they don't need Amazon, why? They must be doing well enough on Shopify. If I could combine the powers, right, uh, would be a superstar. So how are those funnels working? How, you know, it's, it's because so many other things connect better with Shopify or websites than Amazon, you know, from Facebook chats to YouTube links to affiliate marketing to uh, all types of things. It goes on and on and on. And there's just a need for that. And there's going to be just like there's Walmart and Target and there's CVS and Walgreens. There's going to be customers that choose one over the other uh, and the way that they like to be sold and the way that they like to interact. And, uh, you know, I got a roommate that doesn't shop on Amazon. He got he got suspended one time about a fraudulent charge that he reported. Uh, he reported on his card. And so it, basically Amazon didn't pay it because he recorded at the bank level. They they removed his membership and he's like boycotting Amazon. Right. There's going to be not saying everyone's that negative way, but there's always going to be customers that prefer to shop on a website or on on a different site than Amazon. Amazon's yeah. not everything. Right. So where are those customers shopping? Um, how do you reach them? Uh, you know, all, all these things matter. Because um, we're coming up on our last five. I want to hit you with just a couple <laughs> pointed questions um, that I want to get some of your knowledge on. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, and then what we do is we take great Shopify sites that have personality and we try to bring that personality to Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I've seen such beautiful sites that do a great job of telling story and branding and personality. And then I see an Amazon store and it's shit. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, we can't have this. Branding is about having consistency across where anyone comes into contact with you. So mm -hmm. if they're on an Amazon page, I don't want them to see their website be amazing and beautiful and engaging and, and emotion evoking. And then you come to the Amazon page and it's like barely, barely anything. That's a huge drop off. So how do we make everything working together where when they're on your site or they're on your Amazon, they're like, I don't know about this company. They go to your site and see the same branding. They see the same story. They see the same quality. Trust is immediately communicated. So just closing that chapter, huge, huge fan of doing well. Uh, on your Shopify site, spending the time, investing in it. It's your brand. It's your reputation. It matters. Um, okay. Last question is for you. I want to talk about like, you know, our title is around Google ads versus social media ads. Um, as someone that's learning TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, using Pixel Me, which is a carbon six uh, software for creating ads easily for some of us amateurs that aren't so good at it. Um, to someone that writes blogs and SEO. I mean, I love it. I obsess about e-commerce. <laughs> Talk to me about uh, Google ads versus social media ads, why you guys don't offer social media ads, why Google ads is your go-to. Um, what's David's thoughts and, and process around that? So early on, we were experimenting with all different types of ads and you know, both social media and Google ads. And this opinion might be a little bit controversial. You'll find some people that agree and some people that don't. But because we are we become so focused in the e-commerce space, we don't believe in direct consumer sales for social media ads. And for social media, I know that there are a ton of people that have come to me and seen a ton of success with social media ads. I know it's been a little bit crippling since Apple updated their own policies, their own cookie policies. But I mean, if you, you think about it out loud and social media, you don't have uh, buyer's intent. You know, with Google, if you have a product that's being advertised on Google Shopping, your listing's coming up because someone's seeking it out. If you're selling a pair of boots 
and an ad's coming up for your pair of boots, it's because someone's looking for boots. You know, if someone's on social media, they're looking for, you know, they're interacting with their friends, they're seeing what their family's up to. No one's really out there necessarily looking for boots. You know, you might, there are some exceptions. You might have Facebook Marketplace and things like that. Way more passive. Yeah, but the thing is that if you're deciding where to spend your ad dollars, you think that you'd want to put it more towards the go-to where people are actively searching for, you know, what you're looking to sell. And I do think that social media ads have their place in for brand recognition when it comes to trying to engage with your existing audience, you know, getting branded posts out and things like that. But when you're trying to just make a sale on social media, I feel like you have to work two or three times as hard, try and pay for multiple clicks from the same person. Whereas usually with something like Google ads, Google shopping, they're usually converting on the first one or two clicks. And that's, that's really where, you know, that's really why we kind of settled on Google because that's, it's geared towards e-commerce. I mean, social media, there are some ads like luxury ads, jewelry ads, ideas of exotic lifestyles and things like that, that do well on Facebook, but it's just about knowing your audience and knowing where they're shopping. You know, there are different platforms for different needs. Sometimes Pinterest might be your need, you know, experimenting with TikTok. If you're engaging with a younger audience and that's a new field and a new space that might do incredibly well. But we just found that our audience, you know, the Amazon sellers of the world, the e-commerce space, you know, when we're talking with certain budgets and, you know, looking for the best place to spend your ad dollars, we found that Google Shopping just dominated over the social media space. So we decided to focus exclusively on that. And, you know, Blue Soft Design became certified Google ad partner. So we're, we're all in the Google's corner. Yeah, well... I definitely understand that. And I think as far as Amazon sellers go, Google PPC is going to be something that they feel a lot more comfortable with considering it's keyword based. Um, you know, it's, it's direct. Like someone's typing in boots. I'm going to show them boots. Um, one thing I would add to that, and I don't necessarily disagree. I do think it's better for top of funnel. Um, you know, and I do feel like someone that's really good at Google ads, it's completely different type of marketing to be good at social media ads. Um, there's a lot of visuals, uh the the artwork matters uh the creative matters not just like you know the keyword and then show the product and and link out to the page um you know you've got uh so many factors there but there is some things where you know i've been selling a product on amazon and let's say we're a smaller brand getting going we're targeting specific keywords that matter uh and let's say black umbrella we're going to use black umbrella as an example and let's say i have a massive competitor Um, they truly can bully me out of those keywords that I need. Okay. So on Amazon, there's not a lot of ways around it. If I have like five to 10 keywords that are like very specific to what I'm selling, black umbrella, umbrellas for men, uh, dark umbrellas, whatever the case might be, right? There's only so many search terms. Um, you can get essentially bullied out of the game. Okay, so how do you rank your product? How do you get your ads seen without paying $20 a click? I've seen it all the way up to $40 a click where someone was saying, no matter what, no one's getting these keywords but us. We have the budget to give. Let's dominate this marketplace. And you have to get creative. 
You have to get creative. And so a way that someone can't block your keywords specifically is to go more of that demographic type of targeting. That's like, I'm going to look at men between 20 to 50 that live in Seattle because it rains a lot and they have median incomes of 60,000 plus because I feel like that means they have additional income to spend or whatever the case might be. And you can see that someone can't block you from every person in that demographic like they can uh, in a keyword type of strategy where they're like, these 10 keywords are the main ones to get to it and I'm going to block them. And so in those instances, we have used, um, that's not the only way, but that's an example of a time where social media becomes really important. We're going to like have, have these keywords here, but if we can't get them, how else do we get momentum on our listings? How else do we get our, vis do we get visibility? Um, some of that kind of guerrilla warfare type of, of thinking. And the other one I would think of is like, I think of two types of selling, demand capture and demand generation. Okay, so demand capture is what you're talking about with one or two clicks and a buy. They're searching for something. They're looking for boots. We show them boots. We capture the sale. We just have to convince them to buy from our brand versus the others. Okay, that's where I feel like I'm at with my technology now is like everyone knows they need to be on Amazon. They're all looking for Amazon help or agencies or consultants. And I'm saying, choose us. We're the best. Okay, right. capturing that demand. At the beginning of my journey, it was very much demand generation. There's not a lot of people looking for Amazon. I was telling people, you need to be on Amazon. You need to like, your Shopify stores are doing great, but I'm telling you there's potential over here. Like it was like educational, right? And so that demand generation, a lot of times if you have a specific, like let's say an invention type of product or a product that people don't know about yet, they're not looking for your product. They're not looking for black umbrellas. Black umbrellas is a general thing. But like, let's say you have, uh these new like eye visors that are like night vision something like that right and there's not people typing in for your product well how do you get that out there in a in a marketplace uh or sh google shopping amazon ppc and google shopping very similar where people aren't searching for that how do you get in front of the right customers you could advertise your products with product targeting where you show up on a page of something similar to that there's some things you can do there, but if you know about organic ranking around keywords, you know that you need those specific keywords. Just like SEO, you need people searching for something and then your product ranking for those. And so again, social media ads can come in in that mode to say, I know that uh, people are looking for these types of visors and night vision are, are this kind of customer demographic. You do research and things to kind of come up with that same similar customer and you're showing them something that they don't know they need. And you have to educate them about what it is and why they need it and move them down the funnel. But if you're looking to be profitable, no doubt the keyword direct in, intent to buy is a cheaper, more effective way. Um, but sometimes you don't have that luxury of selling a product like that. And I do think you have to get outside the box and you do have to kind of stretch it in a way to get to get to customers in a different way. Um, but I also think. Uh, you know, I'm usually like if someone says they're amazing at all these different types of ads, to me, that's a red flag because it's almost a complete different uh, methodology behind building out Amazon ads versus Facebook ads, you know? Um, yeah, I don't I don't try to uh, pretend to be an expert and things that we're not. We tried that for a long time. And, you know, we have some great affiliate partners that we work with that someone comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I really do want social media. I say, look, it's not what we do. We're not your guys, but we have guys that we trust that, you know, we, we feel comfortable, you know, introducing you to these guys and, you know, passing the business along. And that's, that's why I really love, 
you know, the e-commerce community, the Amazon community. Right. Like e-commerce cooperative is perfect for that. Yeah. One of of my favorite sayings that I've heard since I've been in this space with other um, service providers is it's not you versus me. It's us versus Amazon. It's us versus Google. You know, there's there's enough business for everybody where people genuinely can help each other and hand off business to one another. And, you know, it's just not as cutthroat as it used to be. And I like being part of that space because I know starting out being an entrepreneur, I needed that help. I sometimes I feel like I still need that help. And I like helping those that I see were that are in my shoes that, you know, are just starting out that need the help that need the support. And I like being there for them as well. Yeah, and I found that like honestly, if if a brand is doing well on their social media ads and they're doing well on their D 2 C site, it only helps what I'm trying to do for them on Amazon. It's not cannibalism. In fact, it's like look, if they're getting sales from social ads or from Google ads to their website, uh, that's great for us as a whole. The company's going to be healthier. Like it's a win win across the board. And um, you know, just like the person introduced us, or like David Dayon. Uh, who we're talking about and the founder of the Ecom Cooperative, which is a community of of different service providers that just like me and David here, I do Amazon, he does web and Google and SEO. Um, David's technically a competitor in a lot of ways, right? And brought us together <laughs> to have this conversation. So love the Ecom community. I think it's unlike a bunch of others. And, um, you know, I, I wish we could keep chatting for, for, for hours, but we've ran up on time. Um, I want to give a shout out one more time to our sponsor for today's episode, uh, do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. David, it's been a pleasure. I know our, pa- our paths are going to cross uh, very soon. Uh, whether it's at Pow Wow or the next event. Um, I, I'm actually coming to New York for a, a concert, I think the July 16th. Oh, nice. I won't pass time, pass, we won't cross paths then, but I'm always in your neck of the woods. I love New York. Um, and it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Andrew, and can't wait to see you again soon. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you again, Hustlers, for your attention. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.